This is Greg Collins. You've come to Substitute Teachers Lounge podcast where we share ideas and resources for substitute teachers. This week, I'll talk about how I got an offer to be a full-time substitute teachers within 24 hours of when I filed my application. And we'll conclude our true student stories for the summer break. This time, it's how Russell taught me to be a student advocate. Let's get going. All right, guys, it has been quite the crazy week in Kentucky. I'll try my best not to get into politics here, but I want to be honest with what has gone on in our state. All of the school districts had worked really, really hard to put together a plan to try to keep the students as safe as possible, but yet have them return to the classroom if they so choose. And that's important, too, to have that interaction with their friends and all of that good stuff. So that's what the school districts in Kentucky and especially the one that I'm in has been prepared for. In my district, we've talked about this before, the students, actually the students' parents, I guess, were given three options. They could send their student into the classroom that was to have begun on August 26th. They also could let their students stay home and they would be do more, more of an online class, but be in touch with the teacher that would actually leave it open to the student actually being on at the exact same hours their class would otherwise be taking place and maybe even participating via the video into the classroom situation. And then the last one, the materials would be sent to the homes by the students, but it would be more self-paced. Kind of reminds me of a homeschool situation, but parents were given those three options. Over 70% in our district chose to send their kids to school. So the teachers just went back this week on Wednesday as scheduled, their task was to have been, and still is, get their room socially distanced, move the desk as they should, get things prepared for that. Well, all that's in place. Then, on Monday, this past Monday, our governor basically said he recommends that there be no in-classroom student training until the last week of September. That's a full month later than what most of the schools had scheduled. Our school district met, as I understand, I don't know this exactly, but as I understand through purely the rumor mill, these our schools would have returned to the classroom because they had been ultra-cautious in putting together their plan they called during their last meeting, they called our state capital board of education group, and they told them that they were not to go against the governor's decree. Now, the governor, governor actually called it a recommendation. The board of education apparently referred to it as a decree. So our students are, in fact, not 
coming back to the classroom until September 28th. So, okay, that is my as little politics as possible explanation of what's going on in Kentucky. So my wife, the fifth grade teacher, went back Wednesday. She went ahead and socially distanced her room, and that's where we are now. Now, let me tell you this, and you've heard me talk about this probably a month ago, that I knew that the board here had approved, I think, over 30 positions that they were calling student support personnel, which in effect was a full-time substitute teacher position with benefits. It requires a certification or the emergency certification that the substitute teacher would normally have. And you did have to have at least a bachelor's degree, as I understand. So I said, well, I think I will apply to that. I will miss not going to different schools every day. I mean, I said I can at least go in and interview for the position and see what happens. Now, after the governor's decree, I'm wondering, well, you know, if if I don't take one of these full-time positions, does that mean I'm not going to have anywhere to go to substitute teach until the end of September? And I didn't want that either. So, sure enough, last week for the first time, some of these positions started showing up at a couple of the different schools. The first one was the high school. Now, I'm a middle school guy. That's my preference, but I I love the high schools too. So I did, in fact, apply to the high school. Two days later, those positions were posted as being open in one of the middle schools that I go to quite often, and I applied there as well. So here's what happened. Two days ago, I applied at the middle for the middle school position three days ago at about 4 p.m. The next morning at 9 a.m., I was called by that school and they said, Mr. Collins, they said, we see that you have applied for this student support personnel position and we'd like to offer you the position. Now, I didn't have to go through the interview process. Now, I hesitate to tell you all that because I know some of you aren't in as lucky a position as I was. I thank everyone for making this possible. The You know, the golden story here is, had I not put my best foot forward when I had substitute taught in that school, they wouldn't have responded to me that quickly. I had gotten to know the principal there very well. I have got I had gotten to know many of the teachers there very well. And maybe most importantly, I had gotten to know the students very well. And I always got along great with the students. I tried to make them feel as comfortable in my classroom as possible. I think the subs- the teachers that I substituted for saw that when they talked to their kids the next day and Bottom line is, guys, always put your best foot forward. Don't make it hokey. Make it sincere. Love those kids. Know that it's important to teach them and make sure they have the best type of learning environment that you can offer them. But always be on your good behavior. You never know when an opportunity like this will pop up. So that's the end of my story. It has been an exciting week. I will actually start this position as early as next week, which this comes out on Sunday. So I might actually be working tomorrow or the next day. So we'll see how that goes. But either way, I don't have to wait until the end of September to substitute teach now. I hope you guys 
are doing well in your substitute teaching efforts, but I'm really excited that all that has happened. Yes, I will miss the students at the other school. I will tell you, thank goodness, that I'm a a sports official, and I will see them in another capacity at other times. So I think that is great as well. All right, before we talk about our final true student story, let me mention, as I always do, that I use a Google name generator program to generate a name. All the stories you're going to hear today are true. The name has been changed. Possibly the gender has been changed. I just use whatever Google gives to me. So let's talk about underachiever Russell and how he inspired me to be a student advocate. It's really kind of an interesting story. Now, let me start out by saying underachiever is kind of a misnomer, and it's really a harsher word than I like to use. This is really more of a someone who fell behind and you know, really didn't do a good job of keeping up with their work. They might have had reasons, but this is a school system, and we have to make sure the students keep up with their work regardless of personal situations, as sad as that is. They might have something that's affecting their lives right now, but we are the teachers of the school, so we need to be both sympathetic, we need to be listeners, And we need to make sure they get the education that they're supposed to. So Russell was one of those that fell behind. And I don't know about your school, but the schools that I've taught uh, at in this area have IXLs programs. In fact, I've kind of been brushing up on my IXL when I'm going to be teaching math here soon, possibly. So I did a few of the IXL math questions for the age group that I think I'm going to have. So we've got IXLs. We have other computer-based programs that the kids test themselves on all the time. And in all cases that I've seen yet, they are a big part of their grade. So Students kind of have an agreement with the school. They need to complete so many IXLs. I remind you of a story I shared in one of the early episodes of the podcast that I finally convinced one of the students when I was teaching long term, I convinced one of the students to catch up her IXLs. And when she finally did so, she went from a D to a B. So in that case, it had that much of effect on the grades. So now here's what schools are faced with. When they have students like Russell, and in this case, in the grade I was teaching, there was probably 20 out of maybe 200 that got behind. Well, then you have to start worrying about how are we going to get them to catch up? We can tell them as much as we want to catch up at home, but if they don't, then we're faced with an issue. We could tell them to stay after school. Sometimes that doesn't work out. So generally speaking, from what I've seen, most schools do it this way. Most schools have some type of circus day, renaissance day, for lack of a better phrase, party day, maybe once or twice during each half year of school. 
And it's kind of a reward to the students for working so hard and for keeping their work up and for doing well and to giving, putting their best foot forward. Now, these 20 kids, like Russell, didn't fall into that category. So rather than them being able to participate in party day, they were put in a classroom. The theory is a, a, a quiet classroom where all, all they can just work on those things they're behind in all day long. That's quite a grind, I will admit. It's hard to do that all day, but that was their assignment. And from what I've seen, most schools do it that way. So it's a reward system day. You know, if you ask these 20 students who had gotten behind, if they felt like they were, were being rewarded, well, obviously they weren't. But in some degrees, whether justified or not, whether they had personal problems at home or not, whether they had other issues or not, they still were the 20 people that did not stay up on their work. So the most convenient way for the schools to get this completed is to do it in a situation like this. Now, in this situation, I have been to probably six party days, and I had always been given the right to participate with those kids. Some of the most enjoyable days I've had, I mean, I'll sit here and tell you that I enjoy teaching those kids, but I don't know. There's nothing like participating with them when they're doing something fun outside of the classroom. We had one day at one school where there were inflatables. I'm a big goofball, so I participated with them, and they enjoyed watching me do that. Some of those kids would cheer for me and then, to be honest, laugh at me, and we all laughed together. Now, in this particular case, the only time that this has happened to me the teachers asked me, and they did it because they knew I got along well with the students at, you know, at all grade levels, really, at all work levels, really. They asked me if I would be willing to set in on the classroom where these students were going to be catching up on their work rather than participating in the fun. Now, to be honest, at first, I was a little bit disappointed. It's not that I didn't like those kids. I did. But I kind of like being out and doing the fun stuff with the other kids. But that, you know, I got over that in about five, ten seconds. And I realized, sure, I'll do that. I'll sit in with those kids. It'll give me a chance to probably get to know them one-on-one -on -one a little bit better because it's kind of a dip, different atmosphere and I, and I, than I usually send them, see them. So the the kids were basically coming into that classroom for all day and working on what they were behind in. They all had a separate Google Chromebook, and they were working on those problems. So I watched them. You know, these were the underachievers from a work standpoint. They were all trying to catch up their work. Now, I'll say 80 to 85, maybe 90% of them really wanted to get it caught up, and this was the most convenient way to do that. You might have had 10% that didn't care. You know, you've got a handful of students that it's just always hard to keep them motivated. So I watched them work on it. And before I knew it, part of the party day actually started inside individual classrooms. 
And when I say party day, it was things such as music playing and movies going on and maybe uh, balloon-type games, or maybe they were setting up little putt-putt courses with plastic golf balls in the classrooms. Well, all that's fine and good to reward those students. That's the way it should be. But unfortunately, in this situation, the, the quote, underachievers could hear all that. So they not only had to work in the classroom to get caught up, something they had to do, but they also had to hear the other students having fun. And I I could tell that bothered them so much. So that was the first thing that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way is, not, is too strong of a phrase, but just made me feel uncomfortable for them. So I watched them. I saw them. They would look at me. They would make comments to me because they knew I would listen. They heard the noise. There were other things going on as well. Russell was working on one of the questions that it was a 40, 40, 40-part question. Now, that sounds terrible, but it was really similar types of problems. It was a list of 40 things, and you had to tell, basically, which one was greater than the other one. Well, I don't care how well you know it. To get through 40 of those took him a while, and he worked so hard And right before he was ready to click enter, you didn't click enter one at a time. You clicked after you got the entire 40-part question finished. Just before that, he was showing it to me just before that. He wanted me to look at it. He wanted me to check his answers. And just before he clicked enter, there was some kind of computer glitch. And it was just as if he had not clicked anything. He had to start over. You know, I don't know what we can do to make situations like that better. You know, uh, the software, be nice if the software, kind of like your laptop at home, there's things built into it to make sure it saves your progress regardless of what happens built into your computer. So that would be a good idea for the software. As we enter into an unusual part of our lives here in the next few weeks, you know, we we've. I'm sure I'm going to be teaching a lot of mine virtually. So we'll see how that goes. There's a lot of they're going to be using their own computer situations. So that will be interesting. But I felt bad for Russell. And as the day progressed, what I could tell was overtaking my thoughts in my head was feeling for these kids. Yes, they, quote, deserved to be there because they got behind, and this was the most convenient way for both the school and for them to get caught up, to get their work caught up. All that's true, but they still had to listen to all those other kids having fun. They had to realize that even when they left, the others left their classroom to go to maybe to a gymnasium to to do other fun activities that they had to stay behind in the classroom. So I had to feel for them in that regard. I had to feel for them for the computer glitches they were encountering. There were other things came up. A lot of them would get confused. A lot of them would just be frustrated because it was taking so long. Some of them were were making comments, are they even going to let us eat lunch? So I had to listen to all that. Now, the teachers, 
there were extremely nice. They had told me that, you know, th- those kids, you know, love you so much, they will enjoy having you in there. Maybe it'll better motivate them. So I had to feel good about that. As the hours went on, though, what I found myself is feeling for those kids so much that even though the teachers told me they would come in and relieve me, I had gotten to the point where I said, listen, you know, if these students aren't going to be able to leave, I'm going to stay here with them. If they can't leave, I'm not going to leave. And then I saw, you know, how their lunches were brought into them. I saw how they were cooped up in that classroom the entire day. And Russell would talk to me. He was really the one that convinced me, you know, Mr. Collins, can you say anything to them? We've worked so hard. Can we at least have maybe the last hour or two to ourselves to just participate in maybe a little bit of the fun or maybe go to the concessions and spend our own money rather than the coupons? We'd be willing to do that. So Russell convinced me. He did his part. He asked me and I did finally have one of the teachers sit in the class just a few minutes, and I said, what do you think if I go to the principal and just ask this? Well, the teachers were very nice. They said, I understand. In fact, you know, I there were other teachers that felt like me, most of them. They, they don't want the students to suffer, so they felt like me too. And they went and asked the principal for me. And sure enough, because Russell had inspired me to be a class advocate for those students, then I was able to convince teachers, or I should say it's probably more proper to say that I expressed my view to some teachers and they agreed to go talk to the principal. And the principal agreed that, Yeah, they've been in there a long time. They've done good work. Let's let them have the last couple of the hours of the day and participate with the rest of the school. So I felt good about that. It was nice to have students like Russell in the class that inspired me to inspire them. And it was a way for me to be a student advocate. Think back to when I know there's a time in your substitute teaching when You've been inspired by students, and you've chosen to be a class advocate. You know, you're going to get tired of me talking about Wonder Years. I've been watching some of the old Wonder Years episodes because they're based on the early 70s, and one of them was about a teacher that was, that was, of course, back in the time of the Vietnam War, and there were protests going on at all levels. And one of the uh, students organized a just a friendly protest out on the school lawn to protest the war. And the principal told them that it wouldn't be allowed, even though the principal realized that they're probably going to do it anyway. He knew he had to stay, take a stance on that. They had a teacher that, although he didn't tell them go out and protest, he didn't tell them they couldn't. He basically told them to go with your your heart. And sometimes we have to do that. You know, we can't just run into a school and say, I'm a big bad substitute teacher. I'm here to tell you what you guys are doing wrong. Well, that's not right. And in fact, I haven't run into a school yet that I would say is doing anything wrong. They're great 
schools. They're great teachers. They're great principal, great students. So I love them all. But we occasionally run into a situation where we don't have to do it harshly, but maybe it's time that we can stand up for some students. Maybe it's you know, some teachers, we're this way too, some teachers are with those students day in and day out. They may actually miss some things that a substitute would pick up on because we see them more seldomly. We don't see them as often, and maybe we notice something that the teachers that see them every day had gotten in a habit of looking past. And maybe there's times that we can be advocates for those students. So I'm glad that Russell inspired me to be an advocate for students. I will always do that. I will do it in a diplomatic way. In fact, I'll probably do it even more diplomatically than I did it for Russell. And, you know, the more you substitute teach, the more you learn how to do things and how to be diplomatic. And this will be interesting for me coming up that I'm now a full-time sub. I'm still a substitute teacher. So I I know that they'll ask me my opinion, but I've got to realize that I can't just go in and insist on things. I've got to express my opinion. And if the school thinks that that's not the right thing to do, then I've got to support that. I've got to support that even if I disagree with that. So That's what Russell inspired me to do. Our last in the series of true student stories was Russell. He inspired me to be a student advocate, and because of that, I will do more of that in the future. Hey, listen, guys, I hope, in fact, there's no hope to it. Next week, I'm going to have stories for you from what could be my first week as a full-time substitute teacher. I know that we're all starting virtually until the end of September. I think at least a big part of my responsibility, even after that, are going to be the students that continue to learn virtually. You know, the 30% that chose not to come into the classroom, they were given that option. I think that's going to be a big part of my responsibilities, but It's coming back, guys. We're getting back into substitute teaching. I hope that that's shaping up for you. I hope you will soon have lots of substitute teacher stories to share with me, and we can share resources and ideas and all of that good stuff. So until next week, when I can bring you up to date on substitute teaching in my area, we'll see you later on Substitute Teachers Lounge. Music provided by Ben Sound.